0: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me on ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Touchdown again, turning the corner, fires downfield, caught, touchdown, only Mahomes. You throw to score, you run to win. Here's Saquon Barkley, and he's off to the races, the 30, the 20, Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Oh, Here's a quick throw to Miller, good throw, touchdown! Oh, touchdown! Armstrong, run, book,
1: burrow got time, launching for the end zone, jump
0: touchdown, Terrence Marshall.
2: The Summer of Football with
0: Jonathan Hood. Yeah, that's my dog! On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in. Jonathan Hood right here on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com, Jhood Instagram, IGJHood. Of course, if it's 8 o'clock, we are giving you something football, something college, something pro, something fantasy. Tonight, we're going to hear from a special guest. Former Chicago Bear, longtime sports radio and sports television broadcaster Dan Jiggetts will be part of Summer of Football. Had some really great points to make regarding when football starts, uh, as well as what we can look forward to for the 2020 season for the Bears. But before we talk to Dan and hear from Dan Jiggetts, I want to go to ESPN.com. A couple of stories for us here to start the Summer of Football. It says, pending an agreement from players... NFL training camp will open as scheduled next week. This is according to Adam Schefter. The league held a meeting with coaches, general managers, presidents, and ownership on Friday, and it concluded with clubs approving training camp roster rules, uh, matters addressing operations during COVID-19 and economics as well. Players were scheduled to have a conference call uh, later today for final approval. We'll see how that all comes about. Uh, But Tuesday is supposed to be the report date for all the teams except for Houston and Kansas City, uh, who report earlier because they're scheduled to play at the Thursday night opener. So the king of sports, the National Football League, who was emboldened to have their draft and their free agency during this COVID-19, of course, the draft didn't have fans. They did it virtually, and they really did a spotless job. They still had their free agency, even though we're during COVID-19 and everything was based on a Zoom call. But it's, here we are in late July, and the NFL is just now getting to how to be able to go through their procedures as far as the season, player safety, everything else. The number one thing for me is player safety. It's not about my fandom. It's not about your fandom, who you root for in the NFL. It's about whether or not the players are going to be safe or not. It is very encouraging for me as a fan to see the numbers as of late for baseball uh, be pretty minuscule when it comes to testing positive for COVID-19. Same thing with basketball. I mean, just very minuscule, if any, when it comes to positive tests for COVID-19. And I wish the same for NFL players as well. It's, again, it's not about my fandom because the ultimate thing is, is that we don't have sports without players, and they're having these games played even without you and I. So as much as we believe that we're part of the game, we're not even going to be in the stadium for baseball, but for football, it looks like that there is going to be fans that'll be there, as long as you wear a mask. And I don't know how that's going to work out uh, throughout the league. I don't know how that's going to work out as far as having full capacity or half capacity, but... Um, that still needs to be ironed out, but I'm just surprised that the NFL has not brought down an edict on that just as of yet. Again, it's it's about the players, but if fans are going to go, how safe will fans be when it comes to COVID-19? All these are, are big picture questions, I think, when it comes to the NFL. The, the other thing is, is people are tripping on the new name for the former Redskins, the Washington football team, coached by Ron Rivera. Well, for those that that have tiptoed around the name Redskins and felt that Redskins, even ten years ago, fifteen years ago, was a name that was disparaging I guess Native Americans and feel like I can't say the name Redskins, even though that is that was their name, we'll call it the Washington football team. Well, guess what? They're called the Washington football team, and somehow some way. That seems suitable, especially when there's someone that has a a lot of the nicknames that they would love to use. But uh, there is a guy that lives uh, on the East Coast that has taken and bought, I think, 30 or 40 names. We talked about it last week on the show. 30 or 40 names uh, that the Washington football team would love to use, but they can't. So they'll be called the Washington football team. And I saw John Kimes' piece on ESPN.com. He covers the uh, Washington football team for ESPN.com. Ron Rivera understands the monumental uh, task he faces in trying to change the culture of the NFL franchise many have considered toxic. And, boy, Ron Rivera, who could have or should have been Bears coach, actually, played for the Chicago Bears, part of the 85 championship team, was a longtime Carolina Panthers coach, and now with Washington – The whole thing from ownership for Dan Snyder to trying to find a name that is not a a racist and uh, culturally unfair like the name of the Redskins to the issues within the front office of the Washington Redskins or the Redskins organization where uh, certain employees had to quit or was let go because of the toxic nature of that front office. There's so much that's going on. Ron Rivera hasn't even blown a whistle yet for the Washington football team. So it's he's the right man for the job. I don't think there's any question. When it comes to wins, I don't know. But as far as someone that can be a stabilizer and a leader, um, there's no question that Ron Rivera has more leadership than the actual owner of the team in Daniel Snyder. So I'm, I'm happy for Ron in this position, but, boy, he's got an uphill climb. That's That team, you, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you complain about the Bears – you have it easy compared to a red uh, and a former redskin fan, a washington football team fan right that is uh that's something there. from Dan Snyder to all the way down issues with this foot, this football team. So they're called the Washington football team. Well, you know, people have been calling them that for years. So now this is going to be their name, at least for the time being. That's also part of the sloppiness too. I mean, they couldn't have come up with a name or let the fans decide uh, in that Washington, D.C., Landover, Maryland area. Um, and they did not. <laughs> so no surprise there. I got a chance to talk to Dan Jiggets, a friend of the program, someone I worked with for a long time, and I love talking football with him because I always like to get his take on not just uh, the Bears, but what is going on, and, you know, for someone who used to be a player rep, I like to always pick his brain on some of those things when he was a player's rep. So good to talk to Dan Jiggett about some of the stories around uh, the Bears and, of course, what's going to happen uh, with this upcoming season uh, what's the plan i talked to dan about that and more right here on the summer of football
1: the first thing that uh, you know if we talk about the game plans and what you know what they got in store uh, i would think the first and, the first and foremost is how are you going to make sure that you know people are protected and when you're talking about football you know you're talking about you know 70 some guys you know maybe 80 some guys coming into a training camp situation that's a whole lot of variables, and, and how do you control where they go, you know, once practice and meetings are over and that kind of thing? And because, you know, let's face it, you know, if you are out and about after all of that, uh, it adds to the complications in terms of, you know, whether or not you, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where uh, you can contract the virus. So it's, it's, it's a very tough spot that they're in right now, and I don't know how uh, you can address it, you know, in a reasonable way, uh, without you know understanding that the, the locations that where you have players you have to have a, at least a, a situation where you know things are getting better instead of worse uh, fortunately here in illinois it looks like you know we were ratcheting down for a bit now i know we just had a little uptick yeah. uh, but you know you want to see the numbers look right before you know you bring people into a, a situation where they could get very sick and and some you know there's a huge possibility that somebody might get really, really sick and not come back from it. So you have to think about that. The other thing is is that, you know, with the fans and how, uh, whether or not they're going to have an opportunity to, to see the game live, I don't think that that's going to happen, to be honest with you, Jonathan. Uh, you know, football's become a studio game anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the players, the fans in the stands, yeah, that's a huge uh, advantage if, you know, the home team. And you may not have to be able to have that for a while. So those are things they're looking at. For them, fortunately, you know, yeah, they make a lot of money in ticket sales, but the, the most of their money, the majority of their money now still comes from television contracts. So, from a financial standpoint, they'll still be, you know, fairly solvent.
0: Dan Jiggins with me, Jonathan Hood, on the Summer of Football on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. As you've been seeing, Dan, across the sports landscape, there are some players in sports that feel like they're just not going to play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of it's for family reasons, some is because uh, of you know, they are diabetic or they feel like, you know, they've gone through cancer, whatever it is, right. some players are opting out. And I'm glad that that is an option and there's no peer pressure. because
1: yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if you have a pre existing condition that yeah. makes you susceptible to this disease, I mean, that, it just makes sense. It doesn't make any any difference how much money you're making if you're not there to spend it. Uh, so, it's, uh, you know, that's not even, you know, if, if I were in that situation, I, I wouldn't even be thinking twice about that. You have to think about your health and the welfare of, Yourself, not only yourself, but your family as well. So that's the most important thing. The tough thing for football players is you don't have the window that a lot of other you know sports uh, athletes do. Uh, you know the career, on average, in the NFL is still about three and a half to four years. Of Major League Baseball and basketball, and hockey, and all the rest of them, I'm sure, are, are longer than that. Uh, so you know that's also got to be a part of the uh, equation as well.
0: Would you play, Dan?
1: If I were, you know, if I were 100% healthy, yes. Uh, but if, you know, if I had some kind of underlying condition, I wouldn't want to be around it.
0: Not at all. Here's why I asked the questions because you playing, you're not going, you know, once you're done with practice and once you're done with the game, you're coming home. You're not going to be in a bubble with guys. And so the last thing you want to do is bring that home. That's why I asked the question.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing is, you know, yeah. Do you have a family that you have to be concerned about You know, if you have young kids or whatever. Uh, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint, like when I came into the league, obviously, you a single guy, you know, you walk in and, you know, you're not going home to, uh, you know, three or four kids and all the rest of that. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And that's why I see even the Major League Baseball guys talking about, you know, hey, look, you know, I've got this going on at home and at home that going on. I have a child that's, you know, going through some kind of an issue. I've got to think about those kinds of things, too. And that makes – that that's a totally different, you know, equation rather than – you know, just a bachelor going back to his his
0: place
1: and, <laughs> and chilling out, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly.
0: I ain't worried about it. I'm yeah. good. I'm back you at have, the crib. You have, you have
1: some responsibilities, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. You know, um, you make a salient point when you talk about fans. It's it's so funny. I was talking about this last night with college. Mm-hmm. It is just so strange. You, you know, you you ask some, you ask a college coach his thoughts on COVID nineteen and something outside of X's and O's, and it comes across a little clunky. So yeah. it's a little odd um but this is a big storyline for both college and pro football like the mm-hmm. like the ACC the Big 12 and the SEC are holding out they're going to wait until well, while the Big uh, 10 and the Pac-12 said we'll just play conference games and that's a big question for the NFL too yeah. are you going to bring are you going to let players zigzag across this country with the same schedule with COVID-19 happening that's again a big question
1: well you know uh, again how much can you control the environment uh, you know, you're packing everybody on the plane and going to it. Now, people are, you know, back to flying around, not in the numbers, obviously, that they, they used to. Uh, but, you know, if you can control the environment, that's a, that's a little bit different than just going and jumping on a commercial flight somewhere, you know, and, and plopping yourself down amongst uh, hundreds of other people from who knows where. Uh, so you do have some control over that. But, you know, still in all, you know, the game itself is a game where, you know, they talk about wearing masks. And I suggest everyone wear a mask because this is no joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in football, you can't do that, obviously, uh, while you're playing. And, there's a, you know, everybody's in everyone else's face. And, and that's a tough thing. You know, So how do you measure that and, and try to figure out some way to, to mitigate any kind of, you know, possible transfer or whatever? So they're, they're, they've got a ton of things that I'm sure that they're weighing all of these issues. But, you know, in the end, too, you know, the players have to make their decisions. And, and I, would, I would suggest to them that they take all, you know, all the, the different uh, items into account. Because, you know, the last thing you want to see is uh, some somebody getting really damaged by this stuff. Because the other the problem, number one, you see the, what the virus does to you uh, straight off the bat. But, you know, there's still uh, no real indication of what it's going to do long term. And so it's not just about, like, you know, somebody saying, well, I'm going to get over it like I do the flu. We just don't know at this point, you know, what the ongoing damage could be. So there's a lot to consider, you know, when you're looking at this thing. It's not just... Oh boy, you don't want to play, you know, or uh, you know, you don't have you know the guts to go out and, and, and challenge this thing. It's not that simple.
0: Uh, I saw that uh, I saw that the helmet companies, Ridel, mm-hmm. is tr- trying to come up with a helmet with that is the the uh, the eye guard and also a mouth guard to make sure that uh, saliva is not being um, transferred. And I just think that's ridiculous. Like it's like you know that you have to touch. It's a physical sport, right? And I know everyone's not going to be comfortable. Usually, you get that shield when someone's been poking the eye, and that's mm-hmm. a protection thing, but people can get claustrophobic in that thing. I don't think yeah, that's yeah, going yeah, to work for all players. You just
1: roll all that crap anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then to put a, you know, a face mask on it, I mean, a face shield, why not, too? Yeah. That'd be a little tough.
0: Because yeah. I
1: tell you one thing, they have to the hope that they play every game when it's cold, because if you get heated up inside of a helmet, and that thing weighs about, what, five pounds, mm-hmm. and you have to put that on, on top of that, you've got to put a mask on. With the you know the, the, the face garden and the shield and everything else, man, you better be you better be in great shape when you get to camp. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. So so uh, you know even as we wait to find out what the NFL season will be, the storylines are still the same, Dan. When it comes to Trubisky and Foles, mm-hmm. I've maintained. That Trubisky, you know, we've been through this for years, and you've been through this for years as a player yourself. Just the quarterback controversy, who's going to win out in the in the end. It's Trubisky's job. I think it's, it's Trubisky's job to lose, I believe. Because if, yeah. Trubi- if, if Foles starts and is the backup, you'll lose Trubisky for the year. I don't think he's ready to be a backup yet.
1: Well, it's not going to make any difference whether he's ready for it or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, that ball's no longer in his court. When they, signed, when they signed Nick Foles, that was a real indication. It should have been a real indication to, to Mitch that it, it better happen early or it's not going to happen at all for him this season. Because if, if Foles is the starting quarterback on week one or week two, as I was thinking, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's done. Because Mitch is kind of in a, a strange position because he would be too expensive to have as a backup uh, based on you know what his numbers would be uh, next year. So. This is it. I mean, he's got, you know, training camp. And if it doesn't happen for him, then they're going to have to make their move. And and I suppose that it's not only just, you know, whether or not you look good in in training camp, that kind of thing. But it's it's how does Foles look? If he looks like he's the guy that can come in, tap into this thing and, and make it work. then I think, you know, Mitch has got, you know, a long road ahead of
0: him. You start Foles, wouldn't you?
1: You know, at this point, after you know what I've watched over the last couple of years, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's that time, yeah. you know. And, and look, yeah, you know, Mitch has some qualities that I really like, but the circumstances are working against him. You know, he's the number two pick overall, and the two uh, quarterbacks of note that would pick behind him have had great seasons, you know, back-to-back. One wins a, a, a Super Bowl and, and the MVP of the Super Bowl. And the other one, Deshaun Watson has been playing lights out football. So yeah, I mean, it's you know the the heat is on, and I don't know if he's got the air conditioner.
0: Dan, I just wanted to catch up with you and get your thoughts uh, because we're supposed to have a season here, and the storylines are the same, <laughs> but it's just different with this COVID nineteen man. I just don't know how this works. I hope I, the yeah, players players got to come to the forefront tough. and it, talk it really about is. this.
1: And, and you know, and the times working against uh, you know uh, tra- starting training camp mm-hmm. uh, on time. Uh, just because of the situation and you know look you i think each and every one of us has to take a certain amount of responsibility uh in, in whether or not we can knock this thing down the one thing that you hear all of the medical experts say to you is the, the least you can do uh, which would be a great help is wear a mask when you go out in public and for whatever reason you know we uh, i don't know we've gotten so spoiled with everything you know everything's been so you know all good that we refuse to do the small things that can make a big difference in getting kids back in school, which is what I'm really concerned about, uh, is getting kids back in school on time, and whether or not that's a you know the possibility because of what's going on in all these locations around the country, and then you know things like you know yeah it would be great to get sports back and, and get everybody in this, you know in uh, watching and maybe every now and then if you get you know things work out right you get some people back in the seats in the stadium. But but look, you know it's it's all, all of our responsibility to do what we can do uh, to be you know of a positive influence in this thing.
0: I appreciate it, my friend. Right, Thanks God. so much. All right, thank you, man. It is uh, Dan Jiggetts, former Bear, with us here. Uh, coming up, we will talk about the Washington Football Team. Oh, some big news out of the Washington newspapers. Uh, it's not pretty. We talk about it next right here on UTH. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJ Hood. If you are around Saturday, driving around or around the house and looking for some sports conversation, well, Jeff Dickerson and I have that for you between 3 and 7 p.m right here on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. So Saturday, 3 to 7, Dickerson and Hood, we will be on. Hopefully you get a chance to interact with us and check out the show 3 to 7 uh, every Saturday right here on ESPN 1000 and also on Six M Channel 80. Glad you're in. Hope that you're going to have a great weekend here. Um, We're going to hear from Ray Flores coming up because of UFC Fight Night. We'll hear from him coming up in our next half hour. Also, one of my favorite shows to watch every week is The Shy, And it is a great show that's on Showtime. Uh, Yolanda Ross, an actress on that show, uh, she is a single mother named Jada and she will be part of Tales from the Hood coming up at 8.35 right here on ESPN 1000. So, look forward to hearing from Yolanda Ross from the hit TV show, The Shy, um, Filmed in Chicago and um, just a really terrific show that I look forward to. I don't binge watch it. I watch it every Sunday when it comes out on Showtime. So, if you haven't checked that out, you should. Uh, it's a really interesting show. Once you watch the show, you'll start seeing some areas of the city that you might be familiar with you're like oh I know that area I know that corner yeah it's it's really really well done I want to give any spoilers I just want you to be able to enjoy some great television and uh, Yolanda Ross I look forward to her uh, conversation uh, with me coming up in our next segment Uh, so I was watching the NBA yesterday uh, watching the Lakers against Dallas and there's another game I was watching Denver uh, and watching that game as well And as there's pageantry today because of opening day and that baseball is back, well, the NBA is having their scrimmage games. And I, I watched where they were playing in the bubble in Orlando. And just like baseball or just like the UFC or some of these other sports that we watch, it is odd to watch some of the sports that we enjoy without you and I, fans, in the stands. It is odd, but not necessarily a detriment to me because the focus always is on the players and the action. And so, you know, it's funny to watch the NBA yesterday and watching the Lakers and it's just this big room and. People are socially distant. Like Some of the players are still on top of one another. Uh, not literally, uh, but there are some... Like I saw Anthony Davis and LeBron James sitting next to each other. They were not six feet apart. They're sitting pretty close. Some of the players are still sitting pretty close. They still high-five. Um, so even though in baseball there's kind of a forearm smash, you know, kind of a a forearm to forearm with your teammates, but the NBA it's as if there's nothing else going on except they're just not playing in their home stadium, and they're still high fiving and still giving dudes get daps after free throw shots miss or makes. So it, it seems kind of normal to me. I just like the setup that the NBA has put together because the setup is like you, The the court is beautiful, of course, because it's the NBA. They got these big screens up where fans would normally sit. So all I saw was like Lakers across there or uh, Dallas Mavericks logos across there, and these really big screens. And um, they had this plexiglass at the scores table where they went to the replay center a couple of times to try to find out a replay of a shot or some call that was made. And so when the referees come over it It's almost like them being at the currency exchange right they're like they're like at a window and they're speaking with the headphones on, but like there's a glass that separates the replay person uh with the to the referees and like there's a big glass it's like they're ordering you know they're ordering sharks. Uh, food or they're ordering uh, something through a glass uh, instead of being able to have that connection that we normally have. But again, there's a glass that separates it. The media is separated from the players as well. So it, it everything is a little bit spread out, but it seemed normal. Only difference is that there aren't, weren't fans there. And for me, as an NBA fan, I'm looking forward to the restart of the season and just how the players will go about uh, their business of being the professionals that they are with no fans around, without the ambiance. Because sometimes the fans can be able to motivate or be able to turn a call one way or the other. It's, uh, I- I'm very compelled to see how this looks when we get to the regular season to finish up as we get ready for the playoffs. Let's talk about the NBA with Jonathan Hood and Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So everyone's got their... Rookie of the Year MVP their uh, awards because the regular season will be wrapping up as soon as we uh, have official NBA games. And I see for MVP, as we talked to Nick Friedel uh, earlier this week, you can check out the interview in the archives of Under the Hood. Just click the ESPN Chicago app, click Under the Hood, and you're right there. So Nick took Giannis Antetokounmpo as the MVP, and I'm taking LeBron James. And there's so many candidates. You can go James Harden. You can go Damian Lillard. You can go Kawhi Leonard. I'm just going to go LeBron James because I think LeBron, um, that he has really played well with this Lakers team, staying healthy. Um, and so when he's on, not on the floor, the Lakers get outscored by two per 100 possessions. The Lakers are plus 10 uh, per 100 with LeBron on the floor. He just makes that difference. And it doesn't say that Giannis does not. I'm just giving the nod to LeBron James. I think that for if I had my vote, it would be LeBron James for uh, the MVP. And, and those other three I just mentioned, like Lillard with Portland, there's a reason why that... Uh, silver the commissioner added portland to the mix is because in a playoff scenario you want to have someone fun out there someone compelling the trailblazers with cj mccollum and with uh, damian lillard make it very interesting uh so that's the only reason why that they were included i still believe there should be 16 teams by the way but it's gonna be 22 so i can't fight that i just know that 16 would get through the season quicker the Defensive Player of the Year is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I could have went uh, with Anthony Davis or Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz, but no, I'm going to go with Giannis. Um, he makes things so difficult for players to be able to get to the basket, that long wingspan, the uh, ability to, to block shots. Uh, I just think that he has gotten better and better every year that we've seen him defensively. So I'm going with Giannis for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, rookie of the Year, I could go Kendrick Nunn Uh, because I'm a Horizon League guy and watched him with Oakland and the Golden Grizzlies out of Rochester, uh, Michigan. Uh, I could go with him. I could go Brandon Clark from Memphis, but I'm going uh, Jean Morant. Jean Morant out of Murray State. He was able to grow before our very eyes during the NCAA tournament a couple years ago, and watching him really develop as a young player and for Memphis to be a playoff team, they have been able to grow much faster than I thought that they would. And Morant, when he's out there, okay, my, my scouting report on him is, is that sometimes he plays really fast. And maybe that's a detriment to the team where he's kind of a little bit out of control. But there are times where he looks like he's been out there for five, six years as a player in this league. So I'm, I'm a fan. So definitely he deserves that uh, Rookie of the Year. Zion Williamson probably would have won it. Uh, He only played 37 games and logged about 1,100 minutes, and it still wasn't enough for me to put put him into consideration. Uh, But Zion doesn't need to win Rookie of the Year. Zion just needs to stay healthy. And Zion needs to also be a guy that uh, can be uh, somewhat of a catalyst for the Pelicans at that I'm telling you, I said at the time that he was drafted, the cupboard is not bare in New Orleans with Alvin gentry in that team. It's a very good team uh, on on paper, but Zion needs to grow with some of those established veterans on that roster. So um, if he was healthy, definitely he would probably be on the top of my list, but Morant is the rookie of the year. The coach of the year uh, is Nick Nurse of Toronto. Could have given it to Mike Budenhoser of uh, Milwaukee or Billy Donovan of Oklahoma City. I think they've done a a nice job. But I, I think that Nick Nurse, watching Nurse and the growth of that Toronto team that could have absolutely went backwards, Without Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi bouncing, leaving Toronto to go to Los Angeles to play with the Clippers, this team could have easily just like, now, without Kawhi being a stabilizer, we're not going anywhere. But Nurse was able to hold that team together. He has been a lightning rod to keep that team together with Leonard's departure. Somehow this team is good enough to be one of the top teams still in the uh, the Eastern Conference. So shout out to him because, yeah, I mean, of course, young talent is a big part of that as well. Siakam, Anubi, um, uh, Hollis Jefferson. Uh, watching this team with LaKai Lowry, These team, this team still has young pieces and still one of the top teams in the East without a top five player in Kawhi Leonard. So, shout, shout out for sure um, to them. Uh, the sixth man of the year. Whew. That's usually going to Lou Williams. What if I just give it to Lou Williams? He's a three-time winner, including the past two. Mm. It's either him, it's Dennis Schroeder of the Thunder, or Montrez Harrell for the Clippers. Why not? I'm going to give it to Lou Williams. Let him be four-time champion. He be not with it, but I'm going to give it to Lou Williams anyway. Um, There's a lot of people on the most improved list that you can give it to. Um, Jason Tatum from Boston was good. Bam Adebayo probably would get my vote, quite frankly. Um, Bam Adebayo, along with Jimmy Butler, could be a a tremendous one-two punch for that team. Bam was able to come through and show something I hadn't seen before. Uh, as someone as a, a real solid player for Miami. So I would put Bam Adebayo there. Ingram from the Pelicans is very good as well. Uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, gosh, they, I mean, uh, Trey Young, Gilgis Alexander. Uh, Shai Gilgis uh, Alexander. Um, and it, There's a number of players. but I'm, I'm going to give it to Bam Adebayo from Miami. Those are among my votes that I would give for some of these postseason awards if I had a vote. And one day I will have a vote, and and that, and that during that time I'm going to open the phone lines and let you vote with me as far as the best players in the NBA. One day that's going to happen. That's a dream of mine to be able to vote um, on some of these great players around the NBA. All right, coming up, a very special interview that we'll have as we talk to someone who is one of the shining stars of the hit TV show, The Shive, off of Showtime. We'll talk about that next right here. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My
1: car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood.
2: Pop the hood? Pop the hood. <laughs> Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000
0: and the ESPN app. Here we go. One of my favorite shows to watch uh, on Showtime every Sunday, and I watch it every Sunday, and I don't binge watch it. I do it the way God wanted it. Watching <laughs> every Sunday is the shy <laughs> And uh, watching The Shy, that's on Showtime. I watch it at eight o'clock Chicago time on Showtime. Yolanda Ross plays the uh, the role as Jada uh, from the hit TV show The Shy. She joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN One Thousand in Chicago. Yolanda, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's so good talking with you. So, how's life for you right now?
3: Well, it's slow, sort of. I mean, we're not filming. Nobody's filming anything right now. But, um, you know, it's a good time to spend with family and, uh, you know, catch up on things that I have not been able to fully get into. Um, And, you know, while things are kind of quiet, try and be stealth about getting financing for my feature.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is the time. For us to be able to do a lot of things, like, for instance, I'm, I'm realizing, like, oh, from my travels, I probably should get, take these clothes to the dry cleaner. They've just been sitting in the suitcase for a while. That's not a good thing, right? And, like, finally, I'm recognizing, like, maybe I should empty my suitcase after these trips I've taken.
3: <laughs> but see how that piles up, though? Uh, that's, that is that is so real. It's like, you know, I move from place to place with jobs, and everybody knows I'm always shipping stuff because, I'm like one of those people that I can't just put everything in a suitcase. It's like when I go somewhere, I go for a chunk of time. So I'm trying to think about all the what ifs, you know, and what I'll need. And a lot of that stuff just sits in boxes. Um, And, you know, I've had time to unpack, pack, repack, Mm -hmm. do all kinds of stuff.
0: Uh, I want to know your, your thoughts about the city. Uh, I'm born and raised in Chicago, so I'm a Midwestern guy and a Southsider. So this show resonates with me and my family in a big way because of where it's based. What, what do you think of the city?
3: I, I think it's a beautiful city. Um, you know, I'm a Midwesterner, too, because uh, I, I come from Omaha, Nebraska. And, you know, it's it's definitely a bigger city, more cosmopolitan than Omaha, um, I've always heard, you know, from people in New York where, where I live, you know, it's like, it's like a smaller New York, uh, a cleaner New York and, you know, in different sections, I get that, you know, where it's more city-like, uh, but then there's the more residential areas that, you know, it, they kind of remind me of Brooklyn, you know, beautiful brownstones, beautiful homes. Uh, there's a lot of art, you know, amazing architecture there. There's, there's, it's a rich city, you know, that also still has the Midwestern vibe of people just being very chill and life not really moving at, you know, at breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. So I really do appreciate that. Um, as far as the South side, I do feel, I, I, I appreciate what our show does. As far as showing, you know, the people that live, you know, in these neighborhoods, you know, not that there's just gun violence, which is all, you know, a lot of people here, you know, as far as uh, outsiders. Uh, but I-, I like that we portray the people that live there, They just live, because it's not everybody that's shooting everybody up all the time. That's people true. are living, people are, you know, going about their lives just like everybody else. And that's a
0: beautiful thing to see Yolanda Ross from the shy with me, Jonathan hood on ESPN 1000, and the ESPN Chicago app, uh, the, the TV show, the shy, how do you think it's evolved? I, I've really enjoyed every season so far, uh, episode to episode It tells a great story, but how do you think the show has evolved from when you first got on it?
3: I feel like, um, it's evolved. It's, it's grown. It's grown in a way where the, we're learning more about the characters. It's not just about this one storyline that happened and then how it affects everybody. I feel like at this point in season three, we are utilizing, you know, all the characters more so than we did in the first season. And even, I would say, even in, even in the second season, I feel like everybody's coming into play more. Um, and we're finding, you know, we're finding out more about the individual's. And um, and something else that's happening that I like is that the stories are intertwining. It's like you see these people in other people's storylines, you know, the characters. So it's not just, you know, we see Jade and Emmett here, and then we see, you know, the boys, the kids over here, and then these people never mix it up together. Like, you know, they're in the same world and now we see how their worlds intersect.
0: How often do people call you Jada in the streets?
3: <laughs> I I get Jada a lot. I get Treasure, um, sometimes Robin, but I, I get Jada a lot. People do know Jada and identify with her a lot, which I really appreciate because she is such a person that, I feel we all know she uses common sense, she takes care of business, and that to me is black women, period. You know, we are the backbone to, I feel, everything. We are the backbone of this country. And Jada is another one of those warriors that's just out there, you know, living, taking care of others, using her common sense, and looking for love like I feel a lot of women are.
0: It's kind of funny that some people can really get so connected to your character that they think that you are that character. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. <laughs> De- Deborah Joy Winans was a guest on the show recently, and I talked to her, and you know she was great because that show um, Greenleaf is great on the OWN network, and she says that she could be at dinner, and people are just going after her, saying, "Charity, how could you do that to that guy?" Or how uh, you know what, what's going on with your family, and all like so they're talking to her. <laughs> In storyline, uh, you know, and not not realizing like this is not real, <laughs> you know. Just you know, it's, it's, it's kind it's kinda of funny. crazy. Um, mm-hmm.
3: I've noticed it a lot, and I'm glad you know Jada is. I want to say a simpler character, not doing you know craziness, because I, I know people know that you're an actor and this is your job, but they really do connect with those characters a lot. Um, I played an Antoine Fisher. And that character that I played was a child molester, and a lot of people, you know, they know that I'm not that person. But they said that they could not watch me, they could not get with me, you know, um, until Jada to kind of break what they felt for me from that movie. And that was like 2003 or four. And I'm like, so oh, there's a whole body of work y'all missed because you were mad at that character. you know it's like it's a job, you know, it was a great job to be able to get um, but yeah, I, I find it I find it very interesting how people connect you so much with your characters
0: yeah it's it's funny. Um Joseph Sakura uh, was saying the same thing he said he's he's good with until people start getting like hostile on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, about about their characters like you know this is uh, this is just not who i am it's just a character that i'm playing uh does that does that um does that bother you in like in social settings when people are calling you jade instead of yolanda
3: well no i i, I don't mind it because um you know it it lets me know that they're watching the show you know um that they do see what i'm doing up there um And most times when I do, you know, speak to people, they do know more of my work. So that's, you know, that's great to know. But they identify with Jada because she's, you know, she's current to them. She's what she's who I am right now on screen. And, um, you know, and I appreciate that because I, you know, she's one of those characters to me that I want people to to look at, to identify with, to you know give props to because that to me really you know it's 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 every woman that you know in life mm-hmm. is jada
0: this is under the hood with Jonathan hood on the chicago's home for sports this is chicago's home for sports Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new
2: ESPN Chicago app.
3: You're listening to Under the Hood
0: on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. UFC Fight Night is taking place on Saturday. Uh, The UFC has done a great job in um, keeping their events Ready to go for our UFC fans to watch, even having their own fight island. Ray Flores is with us to preview it right here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Ray. Jonathan, good evening to you. How's everything? Everything's well. uh, You know, looking at your social media, you seem to be fired up about the upcoming White Sox season. They're starting already tonight. They're playing. uh, So it looks like you're ready to go with this White Sox season. Jonathan...
2: We have allowed the Cubs to have their moment in the sun, but lo and behold, it's time for us to grab the city back. The hats are being, are outselling the Cubs. This is going to be a White Sox town. Love it or hate it, but get on the bandwagon for the Southsiders because it is White Sox baseball, baby.
0: All right. Well, let's also talk about what's going to happen on uh, with Whitaker and Till, and that will be uh, part of the top of the card in Abu Dhabi for UFC Fight Island on ESPN. I want to get your thoughts about that as a main event. How do you see this matchup?
2: Jonathan, going back to the White Sox, they're based on offense. This is going to be an offensive fight between Whitaker and Till. Both guys like to come forward, stand in trade, I think this fight is going to be absolute bananas. And what I find to be interesting is that Dana White has been working very hard putting events on, despite this pandemic, he's gonna stay back here in the United States and will not be attending this fight live on Fight Island. I think that's a big mistake because if I could, I would wanna be at Fight Island for this particular fight. I think this very well could be the best fight of the entire Fight Island schedule. Both guys like to come forward. Both guys are extremely tough. Whitaker's coming off of the loss at the hands of Israel Adesanya. Uh, Darren Till was very highly touted and, and known before. He went ahead and he suffered a defeat in his world title opportunity to Tyron Woodley, but he did bounce back to defeat Kelvin Gastelum you know, in a split decision last November. Jonathan, this fight is going to be who can absorb the most punishment and who can dish it out expect fireworks in this one, plenty of them. you
0: leaning Whitaker or Till for this one is in his
2: middleweight bout? So as I looked at it, I think that Robert Whitaker, he is a slight favorite heading into this fight. You know, prior to his loss at the end to Israel Adesanya, he won nine in a row. I think Garrett Till is a terrific fighter, but I think Whitaker is just that much more refined when it comes to his striking. I think he has... The more of the tools to be able to mix in his kicks and his knees and his boxing ability, Kill can, but I think that Whitaker is just a bit better in the overall striking department. If this fight goes to the ground, I can't see it going to the ground. I'd be absolutely perplexed, to be honest with you. I think Whitaker, though, has more of an arsenal from a striking standpoint, and I think that will be the difference in this matchup.
0: UFC uh, taking place on ESPN from Fight Island uh, for Fight Night. Ray Flores with us on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Rua against Nigeria, uh that's a light heavyweight bout. How do you see that one?
2: Jonathan, this is a matchup between two guys who are in the twilight of their career. You know, you look at the fact of Mauricio Shogun, who was 38 years of age, Noguera's 44. This is the third time that they have fought. Uh, they first fought each other back in Pride in 2005, then matched up in, at, in 2015 at UFC 190. Hua got the unanimous decision victory on both occasions. But this is similar to that of th- these guys are in the twilight and, and ending their career I think Shogun Hua has more left in the tank, and I think he will have a decisive victory. You know, Noguera has had a little bit of a not the best run. I believe, you know, his last three of his last four losses have come by way of knockout or TKO. That does not bode well. Plus, being 44 years of age, once you get into your 40s and you're competing in combat sports, they start to worry about the health and well being. And I think that Shogun Hua still has enough left. And I think he's going to brutalize Juan Nogaram tomorrow night.
0: In boxing or in MMA, you like the heavyweights, right? So Gustafsson against Verdum. I'm looking forward to that one because somebody needs a victory. Both of these fighters coming in with a loss.
2: Jonathan, Alexander Gustafsson's making his UFC heavyweight debut. I mean, here's a guy who, in my opinion, is the best light heavyweight ever in the ufc in the in the history of the ufc to never win a championship he came up short razor thin to john jones also lost to daniel Cormier. this guy has been right there at 205 but has not been able to win the world title now that he's going up to heavyweight he actually retired last year after losing to anthony smith he's coming out of retirement I think that Gustafson is going to be more effective with his striking based on the fact that he doesn't have to suck himself down to make the 205-pound limit. I think he weighed in around 235, 240. Fabricio Verdum is known as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, strong ground him, but Verdum is not quick. He's actually flat-footed, in my opinion. He just lacks the, the, the sting to be able to keep Alexander Gustafson off of him. I see Alexander Gustafson going ahead and hitting him so hard that he's going to be dancing circles around him. (laughs) And I see this fight ending in, you know, significantly damaging fashion. And I think that Alexander Gustafson stops Fabricio Verdum. And I think after the fight, Jonathan, I think Verdum retires because if he loses this fight in bad fashion, I think it's time for him to hang up the gloves.
0: So Ray, in in classic UFC fashion, when they are not doing these non pay per views, those all, those last two matches that we just talked about are more or less, you know, good t- TV matches, contenders matches. Maybe as you mentioned, one retires. But this sounds like maybe just a a one match card, unless there's something else in the undercard that you're looking forward to more than anything else. I mean, Jonathan, look, what I like about this card is that I'm an
2: old-school MMA fan, as you are as well, and and I love the names of Verdum and Gustafson, and, and you know, you're seeing the likes of Nogueira and Hua, but there is a very compelling fight with Carla Esparza and Mariano Rodriguez as well, so this is going to be a very interesting matchup. Carla Esparza coming into this fight, the number seven contender, the women's strawweight division, coming off of a win over Michelle Watterson Rodriguez, number nine in the women's strawweight division. She had her draw against Cynthia Calvillo back in her last time out. She's had two victories, two draws against top-level fighters within the women's strawweight division. I think that aside from Till and Whitaker, Esparza and Rodriguez is going to be the fight on the undercard to steal the show. The other two fights that we talked about, I think those are more a nostalgia fight. And also can this be a coming-off party in the heavyweight division for Alexander Gustafson? That is the question. Gustafson's 33 years of age. I still think that he's still in the physical prime of his career, and I think he proves that heavyweight is a very good weight class for him, and I think he proves effective against Verdun.
0: UFC Fight Night, the prelims start at 4 o'clock on ESPN, right into the main event uh, in Fight Island. I'll ask you, sir, you've been – around the boxing circles as of late. Um, what What's it look like on the boxing circuit? You were just doing something this week, weren't you?
2: Yes, I was. And Jonathan, the boxing from a PBC standpoint is back August 1st on Showtime mm-hmm. with Stephen Fulton and Leo. Uh, there are nine fights on Showtime between now and the end of the year that they announced, a lot of them very compelling. A double pay-per-view on September 26th with the Charlo brothers headlining you got a matchup October 24th with Leo Santa Cruz and Gervonta Davis, both of them extremely popular. Gervonta Davis uh, training and, and being led by Floyd Mayweather. The Fox schedule, from what I'm hearing, is going to be released sometime next week. Jonathan, this is a wonderful time for combat sports, sports in general. But from a boxing standpoint, the Fox schedule will be released sometime next week. But Showtime already looks like to be an awesome, awesome fall and winter of fights.
0: And what about the Sox?
2: Uh, the White Sox? Oh, gonna be, it's going to be a wonderful year. They're the over-under 32.5 victories. I'm going to smash that over, my friend. Give me 37-38 wins, a berth to the playoffs. Oh, yes, baseball back on the south side, and then a trip to Rico Betty's afterwards. That's what I'm talking about, my friend. <laughs> well, right.
0: let's talk again when we get another uh, big show. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, as always.
2: Always a pleasure, my friend. Have a good one.
0: Sweet baby Ray Flores with us here on ESPN 1000. We thank you for being part of the program here as well on ESPN 1000. Uh, Sean Davis on the other side of the glass producing and directing the show. And don't forget, if you're not around uh, Saturday between 3 and 7 to catch J.D. and I, catch me Monday starting at 6 o'clock with the baseball show right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. (laughs) This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000. (laughs) Chicago's
2: home for sports.